Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is the first show of May 2019. We're already five months into the year. I can't believe how fast it's gone by. I mean, I wish we'd get some warmer weather here in New York, but that's another story. Hey, but listen, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Elliot Madre from Salvation is on the show, as well as Spacey T from Sound Barrier. We kick things off tonight with a little attacker coming off the second record, Lords of Thunder with the late John Leone on vocals. You know, the band is still active today, putting out records better and better every time they go into the recording studio with Bobby Leatherlung's Lucas on vocals. Absolutely love those guys. One of my all-time favorite bands. All right, we're going to keep the music flowing in tonight as I still try to figure out how to operate this brand new chat room. Uh, <laughs> I can't get in myself, so I don't blame anybody else who can't get in. So we'll see if we can get this going before the end of the show. Let's jump into some frigid bitch. You're no loser. Thank you. 
Savage Master, Burned at the Stakes. Love those guys. Had them on the show a couple of years ago, but uh, never had it back on since then. So maybe we'll have to make that happen in 2019. And right before that, we did a little quick ditty. It was uh, Danger Zone, you know, the pre-Mercial Fate band. It was actually, uh, I think it was, uh, it wasn't Hank Sherman's band. I think it was Dennis' band originally. He brought in King Diamond and Sherman to help him out record it. And you know what? They all kind of got along at that point in time, and they uh, went and became Russell Fate. Destroy All Aliens, a really poor quality tape. I believe that was from like 1981, and that was ripped from my demo tapes. You know, years ago when we used to do the, the demolition segment, we played a demo tape every Sunday night, but I kind of stopped doing that because the quality here on Block Talk Radio is bad enough as it is, and in a really poor quality cassette tape song, and it's even worse than that. All right, we got about 10 minutes or so. Elliot Madre from Salvation is going to call up. Heaven and Hell Records is re-releasing the Keep Up the Fire EP from a couple of years ago. It was only a digital release back then, but now you can get the vinyl, the CD, and all its glory. So we'll talk to Elliot about that. Then Spacey T from Sound Barrier. We'll be talking to him in the second half of the show live also. All right, let's jump back into music. We were talking about uh, John Cyrus in the chat and Agent Steele, and uh, I think everybody's kind of been talking about them, especially on Facebook. Uh, it looks like so far every date after Keep It True on the festival has been canceled because first people thought it was a club's cancel, but it appears that I think one or two of the members that he had hired for that band of his, I think they were a band out of Brazil. Um, I can't remember. The, I think it was Apocalyptic Raids was like their main band. One of them was most of the members of that group that were filling in as, you know, the other members of Agent Steel. But it looks like they weren't happy with the way Cyrus was behaving and acting, and they kind of left him and abandoned him over there in Europe. So, so far, all the gigs have been canceled after that, at least all the German ones. Uh, all, the, all the gigs, I think, in Spain or down South America were all canceled by the promoters, even before all this stuff happened, that keep it true. And I believe some of the ones in Holland or the Netherlands were also canceled. So I'm pretty sure the whole tour is actually canceled. I don't think he's going to get any other band together quick enough to get out there and, and start playing again. But I noticed that uh, I guess his, uh, his his company that represents him, this guy called Slim Rep, who works for some company who I've never even heard of before. And I deal with a lot of people you know, on this show. I've never heard of the company he works for. I don't even think they're like a legit company, <laughs> you know, uh, but he's on Facebook Bad-mouthing and cursing and criticizing everybody who has a comment about Agent Steel. Now, you know what? If you're a fan of the band and you're responding to another fan's comments that kind of dug into them, you, know, you can say what you want to say. And if you're a band member of a personal friend, I get that. But when you're representing an artist and you're like their official rep, you don't curse and badmouth people. <laughs> That's not the way to bring fans into the band. I mean, with little fans he has left, you know, they're going to disappear. And you're going to turn off a lot of the press and a lot of radio and, and magazines, and they're not going to want to deal with you. I've never seen any press agent do that before. Usually they kiss your ass because they want your support. They want you to help promote their artist. This isn't like the old days where Metal Forces or Kerrang! can write an article, and you know, 10,000 people you know, get it the next day, or some you know, terrestrial radio station plays your songs, and a million people hear it, and it goes around. Today you're dealing with, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of online radio stations like myself who reach maybe a few hundred people to a few thousand people at a time, you know, and, and small internet zines. So, you know, what you used to be able to do with one person 25 years ago, you're not going to deal with 50 people to make that happen. So not a good idea bad-mouthing anybody if you're a professional rep, which he probably isn't, like I said, because I never heard of the company he works for or with. Nobody's ever heard of this guy actually before at all. So who the hell knows? And the other guy, Nicholas Cyrus, I guess it says it's John's son, which is probably actually John himself <laughs> writing under that name, in my opinion. Uh, but it could be. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying. 
to just tear people apart. A lot of people aren't really even saying anything horribly bad. They're asking what happened, why the show's canceled, and they're basically giving them like a fuck you, which is kind of weird. But I think this is dead and buried. And the thing that amazes me is like I'm looking at the clips of like the Keep It True Festival, and I'm like looking at these fans over there. And like I don't know if they're just so diehard that they don't care who's playing in these bands and that they're just hearing the songs. Because you know I read a review. I wish I I wish I remembered the site. Uh, they did a review of the whole Keep It True Festival. Uh, when you translate it with Google Translate, it's kind of hard to make out a lot of what's said because none of it translates properly. Uh, but the reviewer said the same thing. I think it was a pretty fair and honest review. It was a quick, maybe two-paragraph review of each band. You know, I guess like it was his opinion, how he felt about it, then what he thinks the masses were thinking. He said the same thing I feel all the time. He said it was nice seeing cities up on stage and hearing those classic songs, but it didn't feel like cities to me because it was only one original member. He said the same thing about Culprit and a few of the other bands that won there. Now, I saw a couple of videos from cities of, uh, from the show, and I said it last week. The guy that had a singer with them did a really good job, better than I thought he was going to sound. It wasn't the person they announced that was going to be the singer for cities. It was somebody, somebody different. And this guy sings in a, I guess it's like a Dio type of tribute band. So anything like Dio did, whether it was Black Sabbath or his own stuff, he does that. So there was a lot of that Dio sound in his voice. And I guess that's kind of one that did Heaven and Hell also. But I, like I said, I love cities. I love Sal. I wish they wouldn't have done it if they didn't have those three key guys in the band, you know, Ronnie and Steve. And the same thing with Culprit. I mean, you're out there with just a bass player. I know it's getting to be an old story, but it just bothers me because I feel like we're, you know, destroying, like, you know, the credibility of these bands and, and the music scene by doing that. And then this weekend, you have the M3 Rock Festival. I think it's in Maryland. Uh, somewhere in Baltimore, maybe. But I'm looking at the bands on there, and these are like the most washed-up hair metal bands that you could possibly imagine, where there are little to no members from the original lineup in the group. Some of them do have a few, but most of them don't. It's one guy. I mean, for most of them, at least, it is the singer or the guitar player, but most of the bands, it's not. I mean, and it's just, I looked at the, I looked at, what do you call it, like, the bills, like, the last four or five years of this festival I could find, and every year, it's the same bands. They don't even add new bands. If they do, it's one band out of the 25 on the bill. They just keep rehashing the same bands. Danger, Danger, Fast the Pussycat, Quiet Riot. You know, it's the same bands. Uh, Bang Tango, over and over again. I mean, and people keep going there. And I was reading the comments on their Facebook page. And a couple of people had some criticism of the festival. But I have to be honest with you. It was the nicest criticism I've ever seen. There was nothing mean or nasty. People just said, I wish they would have different bands at the lineup. Or, you know, I don't understand why a lot of these bands are still on there when there's really nobody left in the band from the original lineup that should be there. And these, these like, you know, fans are so sensitive. Uh, there must be a bunch of millennials going there. Because uh, I can't see any guy in their 50s who was fans of these bands' 80s getting upset about that because they would have to admit it's the same thing, whether they're going there or not because they just want to enjoy a day out and see some rock music or, or what. But they were crying about this guy, like make a couple of people making comments. I'm like, wow, these are really kind comments. They should see the ones that are going around about the Keep It True Festival and what happened over there. But uh, it's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's get in a couple of more songs if we can, because uh, we're going to be talking to Elliot in about five minutes or so, so maybe we can squeeze in one ditty. How about Anger Resort, my good friend Steve Gaines? We hurry into death.
death off the band's last record, Steve Gaines, Danny from Abattoir, and Rob. Great band. Love those guys. All right, let's get Elliot on the line right now. He's waiting in the wings. We got a lot to talk about. Elliot, you're live. Hello. You're on the air. How are you, my friend? Hey, not too bad. How are you today? I'm doing great. Hey, I'm happy that uh, May looks like it's going to be a pretty good month for you guys. You know, a new release coming out. Well, an old new release in a way. And an appearance at the Legions of Metal Festival. It's good to see the band active again after Carlos passed away. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty we're pretty excited. I mean, this, a lot of this is kind of for him because he was kind of the Steve Harris of the band, you know, behind the scenes and yeah. everything. So we're trying to live that up. Like, even the stuff that's coming out um, on CD is stuff that was meant to be a stopgap digital release, but we kind of compiled a bunch of tracks put together for that. Are you going to keep this thing going now? I mean, is it, or is this just like a one-off thing now and, and it's going to kind of end? Um, I think it's still up in the air. I think we're all talking, like the rest of us are kind of down to keep it going, but at the same time, there's practicalities of life. We're kind of spread out now geographically and, you know, a couple guys have kids and stuff like that, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Um, we're at least going to keep it going on a minimal thing, maybe once a year little reunion show stuff, but as far as how active will be, it just remains to be seen, I think. Yeah, you know, life kind of gets in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> Ugh, yeah, I know. Shit. That's right. But like I said, Keep Up the Fire came out about two years ago. Uh, it was like a digital release, like you were saying, but not having in hell, I'm going to put out a physical copy of it. Is there anything different about this than the digital, besides just being you know released on a physical copy? Um, I mean, it's going to have two additional tracks as well. So, like, we released the Keep Up the Fire EP, which is four tracks, and then we also released as single only, um, also digital only, where um, Ecstasy of Gold and Take Control, and those are going to be tacked on at the end. And then it's got all new artwork for people, you know, if you're excited about that kind of thing, and, you know, essays and shit like that inside. Yeah. Well, you know, I was happy because, you know, when Way More Ensemble came out, you know, it was, I think it was the band's second record from back in the day. It was re-recorded with your vocals on there after you had joined the band. And I thought it was like a great mm -hmm. sounding record, even though it held true to the original, you know, it had your touch to it, which gave it a whole different vibe, you know, uh, vocal, you know, as your vocal sounds are completely different than the other singer. I was kind of looking forward to a lot more new music by you with the band. So I'm hoping that that does happen. But, you know, it was it hard that things just got going and then it kind of fell apart. Um, I mean, I mean, death is always hard, especially sudden death, you know, when that kind of happens. Um, you know, yeah. we're already kind of moving, we're already kind of moving haphazardly because for the, like, two years preceding Carlos's death, he was playing drums on the road for Weed Eater, so he was out on the road a bunch anyway, um, which kind of slowed stuff down. So we were kind of piecing our gigs in whenever we could, still essentially taking, like, a, you know, part-time band thing. So it wasn't like we were flying, you know, it's like we were still kind of moving at the hobby pace of, how bands work sometimes um but we were yeah we we're pretty excited about getting new stuff we were talking about the next album and all those stages and getting ready for that when you know the unexpected happened so again that sucks but you know you move on you think of the spirit of what you know what people would want and that's why we're you know doing this festival in a couple of weeks we're getting out these last songs yeah so who's going to be at the festival is the whole band going to be there who's going to be playing drums that night um so the same the the guitarist and the bassist and myself are going to be all the lineup of the last few years. Um, drums will be filled in by a guy named Doza, who also plays in Mega Colossus, and I think was in Bloody yeah. Hammers for a little bit. So that's so, been pretty good. And you guys going to go through the whole catalog? Um, I mean, we're going to do stuff kind of from the last couple releases. So I think everything's going to be either off way more unstoppable or um, this new release that's coming out. So it's going to be stuff from the last few years, essentially. 
I mean, so I mean, it, it, while this thing has been down, I mean, I know you have another band, I think it's Pretorius that you're a part of. Is that band going to get more active? Or are you gonna? Are you doing anything else, singing wise? Um, not at the moment. Um, a lot of yeah, I've just been kind of behind. I actually blew out my voice like a year ago, so I've been doing kind of slow rebuilding and stuff. Um, so once I get back up and running with this, like I think after this gig is when I'm gonna start hunting for more things. But at the moment, I'm not really doing anything. Pretorius has been dead for, or not dead. We're all still good friends, but you know. We had to move on about 10 years ago anyway. Yeah. Uh, what's like the big challenge today, like keeping a band going? Is it the fact that, just like you said earlier, you know, life kind of gets in the way and things happen and other things take priority? Or is it like just finding the right people to play with that maybe have the same vision, the same goal as you and want to take it into the next direction? Or is it more of like a part-time thing today where you really can't dedicate you know, everything you want to because it's just not there money-wise maybe? Um, I mean, it was never really for the money. I never, I would have always happily accepted money, but I was never doing it for that. I kind of always expected it to be a part-time thing. Um, I think what happens is just, you know, as you get older, you start to get more dedicated into other aspects of life, whether it be family or work or whatever. And then also when you play with good players, you know, you start to get more particular about who you want to play with at the same time. So it's just kind of a, you know, conglomerate of all those things. It's like, it's still in the head that you always want to do it, but at the same time, it's just, you only have X amount of time. And, and it's even like it, it executes itself in different ways. So, for example, like a Salvation, we could always just get back in the room and we could just nail the set. Like everyone could practice on their own. We could always go out and do the live set fine. That was never an issue. The problem was sitting down with the initiative to write new songs and et cetera to really kind of keep the ball rolling and stuff like that. That was the part that kind of got slowed down by life a little bit. Yeah. You know, you were talking about your voice earlier, and, you know, a guitar player breaks a string, a drummer breaks a stick. They kind of just replace it. But when you blow out your voice – it's a little harder to come back from that. I mean, is there a lot of work involved in trying to get it back up to shape again? And when it does happen, do you ever worry like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to sing them. I don't know if this is going to work. Well, I mean, the the good thing is that it's it's shaping enough to look like it's better than ever. It's, you know, instituting practices that I've never had in the first place. Because um, a lot of it just, just boils down, you know, it's a muscle. It just boils down to me being in my 30s now, and I can't just do whatever I want and be invincible, as most of us find out at that age. Um, yeah, it's just... You know, there's all these different secrets and tricks I was trying to look for to build it back up, but the reality is it's just steady practice and patience is what does it. So that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, several months. Yeah. Wait till you hit your 50s. Other things start going, too, that you wish you could get back. Yeah, <laughs> work a little harder on those. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it's not the other direction and not make it to my 50s. That would be, be better. <laughs> Yeah. You know, when I hear your voice and I hear you singing, besides just having like a real powerful chop, I mean, I hear some blues in there. Is that something that interests you or something that, you know, is an influence on you musically and sound wise? Um, a little bit like that's kind of the, the stuff that I listen to that's not metal tends to be either, you know, blues influence rock or a lot of old soul and R&B kind of stuff in there, um, which, you know, also has its own kind of root in blues. I don't really go back and listen to Delta blues that much, but I listen to a lot of stuff that is influenced by it, I guess. So it's a second generation away from it. But it's trying to, I try to yeah. do more than just, you know, essentially shout on key. Um, you can have the best timbre and the highest notes at the same time. If you want to kind of develop your own identity in the thing and you got to put your own little flair on it. Yeah. And that's not easy. I think you do have a unique style. And I, you know, I'm really hoping that you can get out there and start recording more. I mean, is it something like maybe you think about just doing something on your own outside of a band? Um, maybe the problem is I'm not super proficient at any instruments. I kind of need a songwriting partner to do stuff. Um, just, you know, a limitation of mine. Um, uh, but that said, I mean, I'm really, my, my, my long-term goal is to get back into bands and do that and get more active with that again. Actually, myself live up in Baltimore 
um, away from North Carolina where the other guys are. So I'll probably look for some local guys around here whenever I'm ready. Yeah. Are you into like the whole recording thing or the being in a band thing where today there are a band, a lot of bands that don't live anywhere near each other. Some of them are in different countries, all done through like, you know, MP3s and file sharing and going back and forth. Is that something that like you would be interested in doing if you were able to sing for a band from somewhere else that needed a singer? But some people like being, you know, with their band members where they could rehearse all the time and kind of bounce things back and forth. I mean, all everything you just described is really just a means to give you more flexibility. So to me, the end goal of everything is just to play live shows. That's the only reason I do it. The only reason I want to put out records is so people know the songs when they come to the shows or they're more inclined to come to the shows. The shows are the end game of everything in my world. Um, but that said, if you find a person, if you can't find someone locally you want to work with and you find someone who's away, especially because like, especially in this kind of genre of music that Salvation's doing, um, you know, the biggest shows we're going to play are going to be at these festivals with Legions of Metal, with the Frost and Fires, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it's like the geographic thing doesn't take as much of a hit if you're playing five shows a year anyway, you know, but so that, that's kind of what I go for. And so I don't necessarily see it as a hindrance. I think it's a tool that we can use to move forward. That said, you know, I would always love just jamming with my friends. So I would prefer yeah. local people. Yeah, I get that. You know, a lot of these festivals, you know, are great because they draw a nice sized crowd and, and bands who, you know, can get on them. They, they have a good shot of getting the, you know, the music heard by people where if they go to a club, maybe 20, 30 people show up. But I mean, do you still have to, you kind of still have to do the club route because you just can't do it all to playing a handful of festivals a year if you want to be an active band who's actually out there all the time playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, you know, when you play the clubs, you play, like, it, what we play is not a popular style of music necessarily in 2019. So what the, you know, the festivals do is they allow us to more pinpoint our target audience where you get 90% of the people there, assuming they don't think we suck, you know, assuming they actually like us. Um, you know, we're in their vein, whereas you play a club and you might get a few people who think, it's, you know, it's good and a few people that are really super stoked on it. And then there's kind of just, you know, you know, everyone's kind of different ways. You're just playing to a wide variety of the masses and people like what they like. Yeah, no, I completely get that. I mean, I wish I could get up to Chicago to see the show because I know it's going to be a great one up there. And, you know, people are really going to go crazy because a lot of, you know, Carlos meant a lot to a lot of people. He was on my show a few times in the past and we always had fun talking. And, you know, him not being around anymore, I think definitely is a big loss to the scene. No, oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely I agree with that 100%. Like the people, people really yeah. came out of the, I don't think out of the woodwork, but there was a lot of condolences from all over the world that came in around that time. And, yeah, both to us as bandmates and his, you know, actual family and girlfriend and et cetera. Yeah, it's definitely hard, without a doubt. But I know it's going to be a great show over there, Elliot. I'm not going to keep you much longer because I want to get on some music off the EP for people to hear. And I'm hoping that this maybe turns into something more, you know, than it is. And you guys can keep this thing going in one way or another because it's a shame to let this great music go by and not to get any more great music out of you guys in, in the future. So I hope it all works out and things turn out pretty good with this. Oh yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we come up with. We got um, you guys had name drop the other guys, Dan and Reed and Victor, who, you know, they write the bulk of the materials. So they're the, it's, it's a lot of them and their stamp on it as well. You know, so they've got some other bands going. So we'll all be contributing to the music world in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully with Salvation, but at least in some, you know, with someone. That'd be fantastic, Ellie. You have a great night, my friend, and good luck at the Legions of Metal Festival in a few weeks, and have fun. All right, thank you, man. You too. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, let's get on some Salvation. Here's Alpha Blood. (laughs) 
with Violent World. I had those guys on the show some years ago. They were some pretty strange cats or two in them, but a uh, fun interview with talking with them. All right, we're going to give uh, Spacey T a call in about 15 minutes. We'll have a few more songs to play between now and then. Uh, if you're looking for a vacation to go on next year, uh, Jeff Tate is now uh, <laughs> he's working for some company called Backstage Pass Travel, I think it's called. Uh, he'll pick you up in a van in Paris somewhere, then drive you to like a wine, like a, a vineyard where they'll, they'll tell you about wine, a sample wine, and then he'll drive you to some medieval castles and drive you to Jersey in a van. And I, I'm sorry, to Germany in a van. I'm thinking of myself going to Jersey every weekend. But uh, Jeff Teddy's the driver of a minivan, and he's going to take you to vineyards through Paris and Germany. So if you're looking to, you know, hang out with Jeff Tate in a van for a week, uh, you might want to talk to his ex Queensryche bandmates about hanging out with him in a van for a while <laughs> before you book that trip. Uh, you could do that. Uh, so something pretty cool to do, I guess, if you don't mind being abused or snarky or talked down to <laughs> for seven days straight. But it sounds like an interesting thing. It's called Backstage Past Travel. I got to go look these guys up. It looks like they're doing stuff, I guess, like different rock stars with a – taking you on vacations with them. <laughs> I mean, I know things are bad in the music business and you got to make more money, but uh, this is a first. But I guess he's done it before because there's quite a few pictures of him from different places with people uh, drinking wine. So it looks like there's maybe eight or nine people in a van. So what the hell? I mean, if you got the money to kill and you want to spend a week with Jeff Tate, watching him wear uh, a king crown on his head while he sits you down at a medieval banquet, not bad. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. He's got something else going on right now. I can't remember what it was. Um, it's one of those Frontier type of bands. I think it's called Sweet Oblivion. You know, Frontier has this thing of, like, taking people and throwing them together, and they do, they do these one-off projects, and everybody goes crazy about them, then you never hear from them again. So this is probably one of them. And I know he's out on the road right now, I think, with Tobias uh, doing one of his shows. Uh, I can't remember what it is. Uh, something with the Moonglow record. But you could check that out in a little bit. Forgive me, I'm trying to get a Spacey's number off my phone so I can give him a call in a little bit. I'm bouncing around trying to do five other things at one time. And I'm still trying to figure out how to get to this damn chat room from my actual switchboard instead of using a separate computer. But we shall figure that out. All right, how about some Poltergeist? Profit.
Rapid Tears, Electric Shockwaves. All right, let's get Spacey on the line. You know him as Tracy Singleton, but I know him as Spacey T. Guitar play for Sound Barrier. Let's reach out to Spacey right now. Hello. Spacey, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike. How you doing? How bad can I be? I'm talking to you, somebody who's been in a band I've been a fan of for 35 years. It's a great day. Really? I hadn't... Oh, my God. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I remember getting a demo tape by you guys. I think it was around 82 or something. Demo tape traded back in the day. And then when Total Control came out in 83 and I picked it up, I was like, damn. (laughs) I've been with you guys since then. I'm glad that you put it back together a few years ago. That made me real happy. Yeah, man, we're working on it right now. We're trying to finish it up. We decided to go for an EP instead of an album because it would take us a long time to do a complete album. And we wanted to get something out there as quick as we can that sounds great. And we didn't want to rush it either. So we're kind of taking our time to make sure it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, let's kind of go back to the beginning for people that maybe not, you know, too familiar with, with the band, but... I remember 1983, Total Control comes out, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing, you got you to gotta hear these guys. I'm like, well, I have a demo tape by them. But back then, there was no info about the band. People traded music back and forth. You didn't know anything about them. I yep. go to the store. I buy the record. Like, it just blew me away. And everybody back then kind of lumped you into the heavy metal category. But I never really felt that with Total Control. There was some blues in there, some funk, some R&B, just good mm-hmm. hard rock. I mean, you had everything going on in yeah. that record. You know what's funny about that? We didn't look at it that particular recording as being metal either. Like we looked at it was as like classic rock. Yeah. We were looking exactly. at that as classic. But now to move a little bit forward from that, we considered the Born to Rock album EP a metal EP. Cuz the tone was totally different like on the on the Total Control record, I was using mostly like my Strat that I had at the time. And on the Born to Rock EP, I had I just acquired a uh, Jackson I had my, one of the first uh, Jackson guitars, and I debuted it on that album because the producer wouldn't let me use it on the Total Control album. Wow. What, so, what power and control they had back then, right? You know, the record companies, producers. I mean, they really had a lot to do with you know, the band, the way they behaved and acted and recorded when they went to a studio. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I have tons of yeah. stories, too. There's so many stories. I, I can imagine. But, you know, the album does come out, and it just blows me away, and I'm a fan. And this is early on, like, before, you know, metal really became metal. I mean, when you guys started, I mean, there was a little underground scene happening, but it really wasn't big mm-hmm. and taking off or going anywhere yet. So you guys are, like, you know, kind of onto yourselves. Like, you, you had, like, a mix going on that really wasn't heard by anybody else at that time. Right. That's true. That's true. And, and it's funny because a lot of bands were getting signed here in L.A. at that time, but we were amongst the first it was pretty crazy and, how and we were one, one of the yeah first one signed, but then the record company didn't know how to promote us mm-hmm. at all. So we we were had many meetings with them, and we used to tell them, "Just well promote us like you promote everybody else." But for them, they couldn't do it because of the elephant in the room. We were black, so they they didn't feel like they could promote us like they promoted everybody else, which was weird to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that that never so, makes any sense to me. I mean, music is music, no matter who you are, what you are, where you come from, what you're doing. 
You know, people, especially back then, this was pre, you know, MTV days, video days. Right. This was when, you know, people just bought a record listening to the music. They didn't know who was playing the music. Right. And we used to always say back then, money is green. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so if you're going to make yep. money, what, what difference does it make what color the band is? You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, I agree was, with you 100%. And, and, and at, at the same time, too, we always wondered if there was anybody else out there like us doing it because of the fact that we were on a major label, the whole world could hear us and the bands that we discovered years later that were out at the same time were just regional because they were on independent labels, you know, like, like, like Stone's engines. Like I didn't even, back then I didn't even know they existed. I had no idea that death, black death existed, had no idea until years later. And then I was like, wow, they were out at the same time as us. But then I was like, how come I never heard of them? Then I see their record label and go, wow, that was a label where they lived. You know what I mean? So it wasn't a big label. So there was no way we were going to hear about them unless we lived there, you know? True. People forget these so. were the days before the internet, before you could find things out. If they didn't come yep. from your neighborhood or where you were from, you had no yep. idea. Yep. Unless, like You're you said, exactly it wasn't right. a major label like MCA who – know had national ability got that record out everywhere yes. your record went all over the world you know because of the label exactly exactly and then i realized then that's how we inspired a lot of other bands because they got to hear us all over the world and i was like wow so that was the gift i think that we got from mca because they didn't promote us they did we got a chance to go on tour with triumph back then and we had um miller beer was one of our sponsors and miller beer was like they loved us they said hey if if you can get MCA to pay for half of your tour, we'll pay for the other half. They wouldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. I tell you, sometimes I shake my head when I hear these stories because I'm like, you get signed to a major label right off the bat, your first record, something that like every band dreams of, and then you get mm-hmm. there, you're like, what the hell happened? Like, you know, yep. <laughs> we got this major label and we can't even get going. It just yep. it boggles the mind how they just waste opportunities. Exactly. And Sound Barrier never got a chance to play outside of California back then, ever. We went to San Francisco, and then that's when I realized there was a scene up there, and there was other bands, you know what I mean? Like us, you know? And I was like, wow, man, I had no idea. I wish I would have known back then, because we could have rallied together and made up some kind of way, got some kind of backers and made up a tour and did something, you know? True. I mean, after the first record came out, all that happened, everything went down with the label. Well, I'm, I'm obviously, it's discouraging, you know, as an artist, you know, and you think that something's going to happen. But did that really, was that really like a turning point for the band where you felt like maybe that opportunity came and went and you were kind of starting again from like zero? Because like I said, Born the Rock came out, a much harder and heavier record. You know, you knew guitar and everything, but was there, was there a, an intentional change musically to become more of a harder band after you saw what was going on around you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely. Because even before Total Control, we were we came out as more like a new wave band, like a punk new wave band. And then I said, you know what, man, we got to get a lot heavier. You know what I mean? So then we decided yeah. to just get a little heavier. Well, you definitely did that. And then when, you know, Speed of Light came out, I mean, I think it was 86, I want to say, that record came out. It was a whole new sounding band to me once again. I mean, you guys really morphed from Total Control to Speed of Light. Yeah, but the only thing about that is if you notice any posts that I do on that record, that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. You know? Yeah. 
for you because you left right, I guess, right after the record came out. I mean, I guess stuff was kind of brewing long before that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, what happened was the band, the management fired Stanley, the bass player, and you know, because at first they had a vote and they said, well, you know, let's take a vote. And I was the only one that voted at that time to keep Stanley in the band. And everybody else wanted him, you know, wanted him out because he couldn't hang out. See, and the thing that's crazy about that was back that time, Stanley was the only one in the band that had a family. He had kids and everything, you know, and he had to take care of business. So I was with him. I could understand where he was coming from. I mean, I didn't have kids or family, but I understood where he was coming from. And they just didn't want to hear that. You know what I mean? So, then we brought in Emil, and Emil just just ruined the whole band. You know. Yeah, it was it was a different. Let me ask you a question, I sir. Get that? Yeah. Can I? Can sure, I go right ahead. Are you? This this isn't like a radio interview or nothing, right? Yeah, you're on the air live. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome then. Oh, because I was gonna say I got I got somebody calling me. My girlfriend's calling me from Colorado, but I, I'm gonna just wait. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna leave. Hey, listen, I, I don't want to get between you and your girlfriend, so if you, <laughs> you got to go, you just go right ahead. We'll do this another time. I don't want to have any problems. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, it's all right. I'll just call her when we're done. I mean, I, I'm sorry, everybody listening out there. I had no idea. I'm just uh, <laughs> got to tell you, we, we, we had some crazy stuff in our lives that came up over the last month or so. You know, like uh, a few weeks ago, my grandmother passed away here in oh, California. Sorry, yeah. And then uh, like a last about a week and a half ago, uh, my girlfriend's dad passed away. Ah, uh, sorry. Yeah, so she's in Colorado right now taking care of, like, legal stuff with her mom, you know. Sure. So, yeah. And it was, well, it was, it was long. devastating, you know. I know. Well, I won't keep you long, Space. We'll just hit all the high points, and, you know, we can talk anytime you want, you know, when things are a little calm over there. But, you know, we were talking about the speed of light. Like, you kind of knew, like, you know, at that time that you weren't going to be part of the band anymore, but did you still kind of like troop on and just put the record out knowing that you were going to leave or was it until after the record came out that you decided that was it? Well, after it came out, but I I knew when we were recording it because I had some really loyal friends that told me about it beforehand and the band didn't even know that I knew about it. Yeah. You know, so I I knew about it, but I, I went in there and I finished the album. I didn't even, um, it wasn't even my sound. It wasn't even my tone. Because at the, at the same time, I was working with um, Victor Johnson, who's now with Sammy Hagar. And he, um, he came in with his amps, and he, I was using his amps. And because I knew what was going on, I let him dial in the tone for me and everything. And, it, and I knew it wasn't my real tone. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah. just the whole thing with Emil as well just didn't mesh well to me, you know what I mean? And that's why a lot of fans out there, I know you guys love that album, but when we look at it in hindsight, it, it wasn't one of our favorite records because of all the political stuff that was going on around the album. You know, even things as far as like where Stanley, our original bass player, wrote a lot of those songs with me, but didn't get any credit on the album. And I was really pissed off about that. And I sat with our manager and I just showed them how pissed off I was that they didn't pass Stanley's name under most of those songs as well. But Stanley and I stayed in touch and I had a thrash band called Gangland that oh, uh, I know I love Stanley that. helped me put together, you know? Yeah, and that was I the had, same I thing with that. that. We couldn't get signed either, you know? You know, see, I still have that demo tape, Gangland, Shot on Sight, mm-hmm. 
Metal Morphosis. Yep, yep. I mean, I, th- I think Joe yep. played in that band for 24-7 spot. Yeah. Joe was on drums with that band. Yeah, yep. that was that right was before the spies. Yeah, yep. that was some really good stuff. I was hoping that and more would have came out of that. I mean, that was like around 88, I believe. It was probably right after Sound yep. Barrier. Yeah, and and we sent that stuff to all the labels, that demo. That's what it was for. Bill Matoria produced it for us. And it was great sounding demo, and we'd send it to all the metal labels, and they seemed to most of them. I'm not going to mention any names, but they had they seemed to have had a problem with the fact that it was two black guys and two white guys in the band. That was the thing they said more than anything. I, I tell you, I, I shake my head when wow. I hear stuff like that because I can't believe that people still think that way. I mean, I know this was the '80s; it was different than it is today. I mean, I don't know if anything's really ever changed over the last 30, 40 years, but I, I can't figure that out. I scratch my head. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, and like I said, money's green, so I don't know why people let those things stop them from doing something that could bring them some, some serious cash, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I so, thought Gangland would have been big, you know, especially like coming out when it did at that time, because metal was at its pinnacle mm-hmm. like in 87, 88, around that time. And, you know, bands are getting snatched and signed up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what was, I don't know why, you know? Yeah. But Hey, well, I, mean, I just kept going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were in quite a few bands after that, but you know, when you, when you come to sound barrier, how did it all come about a few years ago that you decided, you know, let's reunite, let's, you know, see what we can do with this and make it happen. Well, that was, uh, that was all due to Tom Morello. <laughs> I can honestly say that Tom was, brought us back from the dead because I tried to get us back together for years and years and years and with no avail. Even when I was in Fishbone, I had called us to get back together at one point and we all met at a Fishbone rehearsal and, um, and went over a couple songs and it sounded great. But for some reason, we couldn't get it together. And then I finally realized it's because Dave, our drummer, had cancer and he wasn't uh. telling anybody yet. So he didn't tell me till the almost to the end. And I was like, man, you should have told me that. I wouldn't have been asking you to get back together in a band. You take care of all of that first. If you make it, then we'll talk about a band. If not, you know. So he, he, he was real reluctant on letting us know that he had cancer at that time, you know. Yeah, it was rough. I remember you had such a great stint with, uh, with Fishbone. And I remember, I, I can't remember. It had to be maybe seven or eight years ago. I had Jimmy Hazel on the show. At one time, mm-hmm. and you guys were doing a band too called A and M, if I remember. But I don't know if right, ever right, came with out of that after that. Yeah, well, that was a that's a long story too. That um, I think the main reason why that band didn't happen was because Jimmy wanted to do everything together. He wanted us to all come out somehow, come out to New York and sit with him and write music together. And none of us had the money or the budget to do that. So yeah, we uh, yeah. we recommended sending tracks in, and he he didn't want to do it that way. So and, and you know and I I get it why he didn't want to, but that's it just fell apart a little bit after that. But you know because he yeah, wanted us I, all in the room. He used to always say you know yeah the band should be together. I get that. That's the way Jimmy. But I you know it was you know him and Rick uh, from Twenty Four. You had Doug Pinnock, you Greg Fulton, who was from Snow White yep. up in Chicago at the time. Yeah, Fish was in that. Fish was involved too. Yep. Oh man, that that yep. would have been something else. That was like an all star band when I heard about that. We were talking. I was like, yeah. I can't wait to hear some of the stuff, and it just didn't materialize. But I thought that would have been great. The name might have gave people some shock waves, but you know, other than that, I think it would have right. been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think that would have been a great band had we come together and do it. You know, it would have been awesome. 
So, so how did Tom Morello get involved with, you know, kind of making this happen? Because, you know, that's kind of big. Yeah. Well, Tom has always been a fan. Like, um, I don't know if you've seen any of the stuff online where when we did the reunion show and he came out and he did an introduction and he explains the whole thing. Yep. On that introduction where he's talking about when he was in college and he used to go to some club and where he was going to college and they would watch videos all the time. And then our video came on and blew him away. And he was a fan ever since. You know, same with my girlfriend. You know, my girlfriend at that same time saw that same video and when she was in school with her friends and she couldn't find out who we were. And then fast forward like 14 years ago, because we've been together 14 years now, that she uh, moved to L.A. And I said, let me play you a video of my old band. And she started crying. And I was like, what's the matter? And she goes, that's the band that I saw when I was in eighth grade with my friends and I never could find out who it was. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, so that's wow. And we've been together ever since, you know. Oh man, that's a great story. You know, so I say, I think like you know, all the years you put into the band, some of the the albums, the great music, and it kind of ended on a bad note, like you know, like I said, around the speed of light time and everything, because you weren't happy with what was going on. But when you think back, you know, now thirty years later, you know, you think back at that time. I mean, do you realize mm-hmm. what an influence the band was on other musicians and other bands that came out you know, after you did what you did, because you did influence a lot of other people. Yeah, I've, I've started realizing that later on because, like, once we did get back together and made our Facebook pages and all that, all these people started getting in touch with me, talking about how much they loved the album. And, you know, and then I had a lot of fans. I had, we have this one fan from New Jersey that, you know, he felt the same way we felt. And he started telling the fans why we didn't like the record. And I was like, wow, Tony, uh, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> so now he explained it for us. <laughs> When people say, you know, when I, because I always post, I can't lie, you know, that's not one of my favorite records that we did because of the time, the things we were going through at the time. You know, it, it didn't get the love and attention that it really needed. Plus, the producer was kind of terrible, too. The production is horrible in that record, you know. Our version of Hollywood, I, I can't even listen to it anymore, you know. Yeah, the Thin Lizzy cover. You know, you always did a lot of covers with the band, and they were great versions of it. I mean, like I said, you didn't care for that one, I guess, because of the production value. But it has to be hard, like you said, when there's a lot of friction and you know things aren't right. And then you're in the studio, and you have these great yes. ideas for songs, but you just can't fulfill them because, you know, yep. your head is not there. You know, when you write it, it's from exactly. your heart and your soul, you know, and it's got to be yep. difficult. So when you think about this record, have you ever thought now maybe going back and maybe redoing some of those songs and getting them to where maybe you wanted them to be at the time? Or is it just, you know, the past now? Well, that's funny that you say that because we're going to do some of those songs live. But see, the thing that the fans don't know, because we never played outside of L.A. and uh, and California, unless you were here when we were playing, we played a lot of that stuff live before we recorded the album when Stanley was still in the band. Yeah. So what we decided to do was go back and get those original versions the way we used to play them and play them like that when Stanley was playing bass with with us, you know? Because Emil turned it more into, like, one of the main things I didn't like about it was he turned us into, like, almost like we were trying to be, like, an Iron Maiden band or something. And we loved Iron Maiden, but we weren't trying to sound like that. And he was a Steve Harris clone. You know what I mean? I mean, if you ever saw us back then or you ever knew Emil, he was 100% into, he was into Ingve Mountstein and, and Steve Harris. So, and he kind of looked like Steve Harris, too. And he played kind of like Steve Harris. So, we ended up sounding a little more like Maiden than I wanted us to sound. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Uh, how did he even get to the band? I mean, you know, was he picked by somebody else, or did you guys kind of go with him? Mm, well, he was in another band that we used to play with all the time called Terror, who uh, the guitarist was Joe Holmes, who went on to play with Ozzy and all that stuff, and we were really yeah. close friends. Joe and I still talk to this day. But um, Stanley himself, Stanley used to always tell us, if I ever left the band, you should get Emil to take my place. And I was like, Emil? Really? So when Stanley got fired, they went to get got Emil. But the fit it just wasn't didn't good. work out. Yeah, no, nope, yeah, that's didn't. what happens, you know. Yeah, we what right we now, really should have done, and Bernie and I talk about it now. We should have just broken up then, you know, at that point. But they yeah, tried well, to keep going, and I, you know. Yeah, you know what though? I'm glad they kept going though. You know, I'm glad they kept going only because. That's how they ended up forming Total Eclipse, because Victor Johnson was there. So I'm the, I'm the one that brought Victor, because, I mean, as quiet as it's kept, people don't even know that Victor Johnson played with Sound Barrier. I brought him into Sound Barrier because I wanted to do harmonies. I wanted more of like a Thin Lizzy harmony thing. So I brought him in, and at first they were like, we don't need another guitar player. Why do you? I said, wait, do you hear what we did? Because we worked on all the songs, and I came up with all these harmonies and and it sounded great, you know, but Victor yeah, couldn't stay. We couldn't afford band. to pay Victor. Yeah, yeah, they were. And that was at the same time I had Gangland at that same time. Yeah, they were good. I, I, Dave played drums with them, too. I know he passed away a while back, yeah. but uh, he was on yep. drums in that band. They, you know, they had a good vibe, you know? Yeah, because it morphed from, from Sound Barrier to Mossy to Total Eclipse. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly. another guy that I never had a problem with, Alex Monty. Him and I are really good friends too. Yeah, well, you know, people think because mm-hmm. he came into the band, you know, he replaced you when you left the band at the animosity. But you know, I guess at that point you move on, and you're not even thinking about who's who's doing what after you. Right, right, and and the funny thing about it was my dear friend that brought Alex in, John Sutherland, who was our he was our A and R guy. And um, Alex came, they brought Alex over from Italy. I think it was his first time in America, actually. Back down to work, yeah, that was the first thing you did over here, yeah, yeah. But Mm -hmm. I'm glad that, you know, you guys are back, the three are back together anyway. Uh, I know you got a different drummer these days. Musically, with the new stuff you want. Oh, Eric's a beast, man. Eric Valentine is a beast. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we got another single coming out soon. It's called The Strangest Thing. It's coming soon. We're trying to finish it up right now, and then we're going to go back and finish. It's going to be like a six-song EP, and it's coming. We're just we're just taking our time, and because a lot of the fans too, they're really impatient. They're like, we haven't been together in over thirty years, and they're like, so when's the tour coming? When's the album coming out? Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on, man. We haven't been together in over thirty years. You can't rush something like that. Because if it can't, if we yeah. rush it and it came out terrible, then everybody, oh, you guys sound like crap. You know what I mean? So we're trying to avoid all of that by taking our time and doing it right. So the fans out there, you guys just got to be patient with us and let us do it. So when you hear it, you'll say it was well worth the wait. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, people are excited, you know, because there's such fans and so many, you know, I mean, decades went by without you guys together. And you did have uh, I'm Just a Man, what was it, like two years ago? Yep, about a, more about a year and a half. Yeah, thanks to Tom. We did it at Tom's about. house at his studio. Is that the direction of yeah. the band now? Is that like kind of sound-wise where you guys are at, or are you going to mm, That's part of it. 
No, that's part of it. I mean, if you checked out our first album, really, like you said, when we first started talking, that album was all over the place. And it worked. You know what I mean? So And so is this stuff. This That stuff is just a man from, from when I look at that, it's the equivalent of Rock Without the Roll, which yeah. is a, like a classic rock type of thing. But strangest thing, it's a whole nother animal. It's super heavy. It's almost like animals as leaders with a vocalist in a way. Wow. But you isn't that I mean? great that you can do that, that you can go in so many different directions and the fans just accept it where you're not locked into one genre because they know what you guys are capable of and they're willing to go with you, for, you know, and take the ride? I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, because, like, for the last, mm, it's going on eight, maybe eight, seven, eight years now, I've been playing eight-string guitars as well. So that gave us a new sound, and, and reinterpreting all the old sound barrier music with eight-string guitars has just been absolutely fun for me. I love it. I'm never going back. Imagine. Like People say, are you ever going to go back and play six-string? I don't think so. I mean, I love it. I have nothing against it, but I'm hooked on the eight-string guitars now. I can't wait to hear this stuff with that, and it must sound great. When you go back to all the stuff, besides having to, like it says, rework its eight-string now, were there tunes that you went back to where you completely forgot how to play them? Or did they kind of come back to you? Is it like riding a bike where you just remember once you got going? Yeah, yeah, they kind of came back after. Yeah, because we, man, we did a show, our, our second show at the Whiskey. And no, I don't think a lot of people recorded it or anything like they did the first reunion thing that we did. But we went back like a few months later to the Whiskey and we did like a full show. And it was awesome. We did all the best songs. The only song I wish we could have done that we didn't do from the first album was was actually the song Total Control. But we did uh, we did uh, Raging Heart, you know, Rock Without the Roll. We did Do or Die. We did like all the stuff that we really wanted to play. You know what I mean? And it came out really well. It was it, it was great. Yeah. So it's a thing of now is putting together these new songs and then picking the right older songs to make a full, nice show. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. With the newer music, I know, like you said, you're taking your time, you're trying to get it right, you want it to be, you know, perfect. Do you think it's something that we might see this year, or is it something you're planning for next year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're trying to, trying to have it out definitely by this year if we can. We're definitely trying to have it out. And like I said, Man, Strangest Things should be out hopefully in the next, definitely by the next month. You know, because we were what we're trying to do is to have a, a video with it too, a real video as opposed to. Have you seen the lyric video we did for Just a Man? The lyric video, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But we want to do a real video with Strangest Thing, so that's what we're trying to get all that together and release those at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you've been in the business a long time. It's not like you've disappeared for such a long period of time where you didn't see the changes coming. But do you think things are better today for bands and musicians where they kind of have more control over every aspect of the band? Where, like you were saying, back then, MCA said they couldn't do this for you. The producer said you can't do this. There was a lot more, like, control over the bands back then where today the bands have the control. But the money and the promotion's not there like it used to be. But, you know, do you prefer it now where you have total control? Which is funny to say considering the name of the record. Yeah. Uh, you know, of yeah. the music. Yeah, I do consider it e a little easier now, but the, 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 there's a stumbling block for us right now. I mean, we we started a lot of this stuff, and we have a, some history behind us, but at the same time, it's almost like we're starting all over again, too, because it's a newer audience of people. 
because all the people our age that know of us, you know, yeah, they love us, but there's not a whole, whole lot of those people around now. It's like a whole newer audience. True. You know what I mean? So we're getting a lot of new people that really love the old stuff and they love what we're doing now. I mean, a lot of people really love Just the Man. I was like, wow, that's really cool, you know? Because we didn't really know how it was going to do, and it's a little different for us, too, that song. You know what I mean? Bernie wrote it years ago, but the way we redid it and it's out there and the way it sounds now, it's just, you know, like, for example, we didn't we didn't have a lot of cussing in our music in the past, <laughs> you know? And now we figure, hey, I'm not going to stop Bernie's flow of uh, cre- being creative, so if he wants to curse, do it. And then I heard a bunch of new songs out by metal bands now, and they're cursing like crazy, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's yeah. not like we're going to do that on every song, but that's what he was feeling on that song. And Strangest Thing has a few F-bombs and a few curse words in it, too, you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean the third song is going to have it, too, but I'm just saying that's just the way he's feeling right now. And I don't want to come in and edit him and say, look, man, you can't say that. Or just whatever the way it flows, if it sounds good, if it works, we, we're just going with it, you know what I mean? Exactly, but you definitely do have more freedom today, and you did, you know, back in yeah. the '80s. You know, you can't do back yeah. then. Someone said, "No, no, no, you can't do that. We can't have that. That's not. It's not going to sell. It's not going to get on the radio. You can't do that." Where today, you can write more how you feel, and that's got to be a great thing for a musician. Even though I know the backing's not there from the labels like it used to be, but then again, you got stories to tell about labels not backing you anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Exactly. And the big difference now is there's all kinds of black rock bands out there right now because of us and other bands, Living Color and, I mean, Body Count. There's like all these bands out there now. And so it's like we're not, mm, I'm not going to say we're not as special as we were back then, but there's a lot of bands like us now. You know, now the thing is just the difference, the difference in our music. You know what I mean? Like, for example, like I love Living Color. I, I always have, you know what I mean? But we're coming from a different space than them i think our stuff is just a little more metal we're more of a metal band that's doing a lot of different styles but the backbone of what we're doing is metal you know we're living color they're doing a lot of different things too but i i to me their stuff is even a little more classic rock there's not really crunching metal tones you know what i mean but i love them i love vernon him and i are really close you know spies spies are more metally but they're like metal soul you know what i mean so yeah, yeah, we're just trying to have our own thing, you know. And it's coming across. It's it's slowly really getting to where we want it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, especially when I first heard "Living Color," you know, first time I heard that first record when it came out, I was like, you know what? If it wasn't for Sound Barry, I don't think there'd be a "Living Color" because they were doing. Oh, exactly I don't think there would did. be. Years before they came out. I mean, they were doing exactly what you guys did, just at, at a different, you know, in a different place in time. Yeah, and you know what's weird? Tom was blowing me away when he was doing that introduction. And if you listen to that thing again, he was like, there'd be no Rage Against the Machine, there'd be no Death Tones, there'd be, he was naming all these bands, and we're backstage going, wow! You know, and he, be- <laughs> he right, really believes that, you know? Because he's right. He's right. You guys were trailblazers. You guys were there at the beginning, and, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, the guys that get it started are the guys that get kind of left behind sometimes because other people come in yeah. and it's acceptable now. Where back then, I feel like, I don't get this. You know, I don't know what the hell's going on here. But you guys yeah. set the tone. You guys set the pace for all these bands that came after you. So, in the end, that's something to be real proud of. Yeah. Actually, I am. Now that it's all come together and you could see, we could kind of see what we did, 
and it makes more sense now because of the internet and all this different stuff. And I could, you know, and I could go, wow, we were actually kind of like in a way right after Jimi Hendrix. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as being an all black band that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the thing that inspired me for sure was the, was Hendrix and the band of gypsies, you know? And after I saw that, I started thinking, well, maybe someday I could do something like that. You know what I mean? And you then did evolved into what it is, you know, and not trying to see, be like Jimi Hendrix, not trying to sound like him or none of that. You know what I mean? Because if you notice back then, like there's a lot of stuff I could have done really to sound like Jimi Hendrix. Like back then, for example, I intentionally never used the wah-wah pedal for that reason. Because, I mean, I knew all of that Hendrix stuff and I didn't want people to come up. Wow, he sounds just like Jimi Hendrix. You know, so, and I'm using it now. I'm using more effects now and sound barrier than I ever used. Because now I can, you know what I mean? Sure. Back then, you wanted to differentiate yourself. You didn't want people to compare you to yeah. anybody. You wanted to make it on your own merits. I get that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, hey, well, so, Stacey, you know, I only have 10 minutes left in the show, man. I, I want to play some music. I, I could talk to you forever. So we're going to have to do this again. Well, let's do it again. The song comes yeah. out. Please. We absolutely will, because I can keep going on and on, but unfortunately, they're going to cut us off in 10, and I want to get on some music. All right. Well, if you have just a man, that would be nice. If, or if you might have to edit out some of the words. But... <laughs> we'll get that one on. But we'll get on a couple nice. of old songs. We'll get that on, and then we're going to wrap it up here. But, man, I had a great time talking with you, Space, and we are definitely going to do this Same again here, one man. time. And we'll do it earlier so we have more time to, to chat. Yeah, and I'll send you Strangest Thing when it's done. For sure. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'll promote the hell out of that song for you. And I can't wait to see you guys live. I'm hoping that, you know, you make it to the New York area. If not, I have to take a flight out to L.A. Well, no, we're trying to. I mean, imagine Sound Barrier on the East Coast. We've never been there. So I think we would probably sell out every gig. I agree. And I know a couple of people. So that's what we're working on. Okay. uh, I can put in touch with some. Maybe you can make it work out. Please do. I will. It was great talking to you, Space. You have a great day over there. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Take care, my friend. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Let's get on some sound barrier. Spacey, what a clear right. fact. you got to love this guy. Let's do, uh, you know what, since he was talking about this first, let's do Rock Without the Roll.
Sound Barrier, Rock Without the Roll. We're going to close it out with one more Sound Barrier tune. I don't have On The Man Army right now, so we'll play that next week. So we'll do a, we'll do a different song. We'll close it out. But I want to thank Spacey T for being on tonight's show and Elliot Madre from Salvation. There's no show next Sunday night. I am away on vacation, heading down to Disney World for my yearly trip with the wife. But we'll be back on the 19th of May for our next live show. And we got a great one for everybody. I'm still uh, booking one or two more guests for the month, but... When we come back on the 19th, Jimmy Katerine from Sacred Right. The band just played at the Keep It True Festival. We're talking to Jimmy about the reunion, about the band, and about everything else that he's involved in. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you on the 19th. How about Sound Barrier? Conquer the world.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.